Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is December the 2nd, and our chapter for today is the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Well, as in the letters of the Apostle Paul that we have seen, general letters, not personal letters like to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, but to the letters that are called general epistles of Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, etc., these all have a formula where the Apostle Paul builds a doctrinal base as a basis for godly living. In this case, the Apostle Paul has used all of these chapters to show the superiority of Jesus and that he supersedes any covenant, any priesthood, any sacrifice, any ceremony, any ritual, that Jesus is the true revelation of who God is. No man has seen God at any time. Remember that, John chapter 1 and verse 18, that is referring to a spiritual being that you and I in our physical bodies are unable to see unless that spirit of God chooses to reveal himself unto us. God is the initiator, and we cannot know him. We cannot walk with him. We cannot see him unless he reveals himself to us. And that is called special revelation. General revelation is the sun, the moon, the stars, nature. In other words, Romans chapter 1, where a person sees all of God's creation, and it is a testimony, a revelation, that there is a God, that he is knowable that his characteristics can be seen, various characteristics, even that God is a triunity. Now, either that's true or Paul has made a mistake, which he's not under divine inspiration. He made plenty of mistakes, but when he was writing down the words of God, it is just as inspired as the words of the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. Either that's true or we need to close our New Testaments up, eat, drink, and be merry because nothing matters because our salvation is based upon God's words being true from Genesis to Revelation. And so just remember that it's very important as we go through the remainder of the books and the chapters of the Bible in the coming month. And so Paul has laid out a basis of living a life that is centered around the superiority of Jesus. And he comes to chapter 11, and he talks about those who have gone before us who lived a godly life of faith, a life of obedience, a life of trust. For without trust, without faith, without believing, then it is impossible to please God. That's how man is made right with God, not through works of righteousness, which we have done, but by the washing of the regeneration of the word. Remember what Paul told Titus. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, which is the word of God, which we'll see in 1 Peter chapter 1. 
All I'm saying to you is the Apostle Paul is not contradicting the Torah. He's not contradicting the prophets. He's not contradicting the writings. He's not contradicting Jesus. He's not contradicting the apostles. He's saying what they have all said, that a man is made right with God by trusting in God's word, trusting in God's provision for salvation, trusting in the blood atonement in which the sacrifices were only a shadow of the Messiah that was to come and give his life a ransom for many. And so he said, all of these, the last verse of chapter 11 says, God has provided something better for us that they should not be made complete, could be whole apart from us. Why? Because they said God was going to do this. And if he never did it, then what they said would be incomplete. But it says all of these The verse prior to that, verse 39 of chapter 11, all of these, who are these? Those who walk by faith, those who followed God, the scripture says they obtained a good report. They had righteousness laid to their account, belief laid to their account, but they did not receive the promises. In other words, the fulfillments they did not see in their life. And this is what I talked with you about, Abraham. Abraham was promised a huge swath of land, the Levant. However, Abraham only experienced in his flesh a grave plot for he, his wife, and his son, his grandson, and their wives. And so we are the benefactors, the children of Israel, the physical generational gene, the DNA of Abraham, those promises were made unto them. We receive the spiritual promises because we are his spiritual seed. We're not of his DNA. When you become a follower of Jesus, who is a Jew, and a son of Abraham, the son of David, on and on, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, all of that is laid out very succinctly in the scriptures. But you and I are not of that seed unless we have that DNA. So those physical promises that were made to Abraham and his seed are to Abraham and his seed. And when we become followers of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, we are grafted into the spiritual covenantal promises to Abraham. And so we don't become Jews. No, we're Gentiles. But God lets us in on the spiritual aspects of that. In that way, he is alive to all the world. Yes, the Jews have been a light in many ways, but the greatest light is the light of God himself in sharing with the Gentile world. And again, this was a great mysterion that was hidden as to how God would save the Gentiles. And lo and behold, he saves the Gentiles the same way he saves the Jews by trusting in his promises. No Jew, no Jew. No Jew is ever saved by keeping Torah because they cannot do it. The Bible says if you are guilty of any trespass of the law, you are guilty of all. Salvation is not based upon, righteousness is not based upon relativity. It is based upon the absolute righteousness of God and no one, no one, according to the prophets of old, there is none righteous, no, not one. According to the psalmist, are there any that seek after God? No, not one. 
David, a man after God's own heart, he could not keep the Torah. He broke it over and over again. Moses, you name whoever they are, from Adam all the way through until the Lord Jesus and after, save the Lord Jesus. He is the only righteous one. Every other person falls short. And so if we're going to get to heaven, someone has to give us the gift of eternal life because we sure before God did not earn it. And God knows every heart. You might fool someone else, but you're not going to fool God. But quite honestly, anybody's been around us, we can't fool anybody because they all see our faults, even if we don't see them ourselves or admit to them. We know that they're there. And so it's by trust and faith that a man's made right with God. But it's by trust and faith that a man walks with God. And that's why he said through faith, these great heroes that we call of the faith were sinful men and women who just followed God, who trusted God, who lived in obedience to God's word. And that was the way that they proved that indeed they were trusting his word. They believed God's word more than what their eyes and their ears and their smell and their taste and their senses could ever imagine. So he says, therefore, on the basis of everything I have just told you, we are surrounded by a great cloud of these faithful witnesses. Those who have proven God, they have proven God to be what he said he would be. So he says, let us lay aside every weight. What's a weight? It's what's holding you back. Let me ask you a question. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from going on with God? What's keeping you from being the very best that God designed for you to be? What's keeping you from doing God's will? Is it your desire to have something, to do something, to be something? All of those categories of sin holds us back. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, and you know what that is, if there is something in your life that you're constantly struggling against, maybe several things, but that sin, which so easily ensnares us, we think, okay, I'm going to beat this this time. You and I cannot overcome sin on our own. It's just not within us, but the Spirit of God can enable us to live a life of godliness. And so he says, let us run. Now he's talking about running a race. And these great clouds of witnesses that are all around us down through the ages, not just those that are named, there's too many to name. There's tens of thousands who have lived faithfully to God whose name will never be known to anybody except God himself. I think we're going to be greatly surprised when we get to heaven, when the rewards are laid out. I think of my, I think of my godly grandmother. She never drove a car. She never had a license. She barely got out of the county. She would go on occasions to Knoxville or to Chattanooga. That was it. In all of her life, she went to the county seat maybe once a year. And she was not known by anybody except her closest friends and a few family members that were still alive. But she faithfully served God and raised three boys that nobody wanted. And it was my grandmother who stood over that old wood cook stove as her tears fell and sizzled on that stove as she was crying out to God to save her boys. You see, the Bible says that blessed are they who die in the Lord and their works do follow them. I've told you before, why doesn't God give us our rewards as soon as we get to heaven, as soon as we get to paradise? Why does he wait till the judgment seat of Christ when his church is all home? I'll tell you why. Because our work, good or bad, doesn't die with us. It goes on, for good or bad. You see, every soul that has come to Jesus, every good deed that has been done in Jesus' name, 
not just me, but my two brothers who have so many rewards waiting for them in heaven. And what God has allowed me to do in reaching so many people, and I pray affecting so many lives, it's not going to be Tony. It's not going to be James and John, Jim and John, my two older brothers. But we'll hear the Lord say, Clara, Clara McGuire, step forward. And she's going to be shocked when she sees the crowns that the Lord is going to give to her. And my grandmother will turn around and lay those at the feet of Jesus, her Lord that she loved with all of her heart. You see, you don't have to be in the limelight for God to see what you're doing because the darkness is as light to him. He sees it all. And he sees what you're doing, humble servant of God. Listening to this podcast, you may say, nobody, I've never done anything. I've never, my name's never been in the paper for serving Jesus. My name has never been in neon lights and welcoming me to some church. I've never been able to travel. Clara, were you faithful in doing what I gave you to do and raising those boys? You see, God sees it all, faithful mother. He sees your broken heart. He sees the tears that you cry. He hears the prayers that you pray. Broken-hearted father, weeping over that son or that daughter that is away, that wife who has left you, that husband who's left you, you're alone. Jesus is with you. He loves you. He loves you. He sees it all. Great is the cloud of witnesses. He said, so whatever we have to go through, whatever we have to suffer, whatever we have to endure, read chapter 12, read it over and over again. Whatever we go through, it's nothing like what Jesus went through. He suffered. He suffered shame, but he endured the cross and despised the shame. And he sat down forever at the right hand of the majesty on high, the very throne of God himself. For consider him who endured such hostility toward sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged for your own souls. Are you hurting? He hurt. He knows what you feel. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. The temptation was so great in the garden of Gachmundia, of Gethsemane. The pressing of the olives was nothing to the pressing of the Son of God. And the Bible says that there was such stress within his body that his vessels and capillaries, his very cells began to break down. And what the Bible says is that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. He was resisting, not following through on what the Father had given him to do. These are sacred and solemn halls that God's letting us walk down today. You've not resisted to bloodshed against striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation, the encouragement which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening, the whipping of the Lord, nor be discouraged when he gets on to you, when he rebukes you. Just remember this, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he disciplines, and he scourges every son that he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Any one of you that never were rebuked, let me just say to you, you're not worth much man or woman if you never were rebuked and you never had to say a you know, I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I messed up there. No, all of us have. He said, but if you're without chastisement, of which all have become partakers, then you're a bastard child. You're illegitimate. You're not sons. And he said, we honored those fathers 
As a matter of fact, I've been around many men and them talking, and it's amusing now to me as I'm older, and I listen to men, you know, that once complained, oh, dad does this, mom does that, when they would be disciplined. But now, you know, it's a badge of honor. Guys brag about it. I've been in circles with men, and somebody said, well, my dad used to wear me out. He'd just go get a hickory and uh, wear me out. Some say, yeah, he'd give me a knife, and I had to go cut it myself. Then another one say, yeah, my dad just pulled the bell off. Yeah, my dad. And before you know it, well, they've got a train running over them because this one can outdo the other. It's almost they're proud, so proud of being disciplined that they brag about how awful it was, how bad it was, how much they got. But I can tell you, every man that brags about the discipline he got, I promise you, as earthly fathers, they didn't discipline enough. Or sometimes they disciplined it, as this word says, for their own pleasure. But God always disciplines us out of love. Listen to me, redemptively. He loves us. He loves you. Don't be discouraged. Look up, dear brother. Look up, dear sister. Jesus is coming, and with him is great reward. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.